Gentlemen, what a smooth transition we have. Ooh, look at that. That was sexy. That was hot. I loved it. Um, guys, we really upped our production value for this. We have two of you. What? Why? What? Why? What the? Why? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we are going to start with the top, which is Chris. Chris, give me oh, a quick... What character are you playing? Uh, so I am playing Valerian Alstrom, the halfling rogue. And currently I'm thinking about multi-classing into Warlock, just thinking ahead. But right now he's a, a level one rogue. He's about three foot two, uh, 43 pounds. And he's about 40 years old. So he's uh, he's into adulthood. I mean, uh, halflings live to be about like 150 years old. So... He's young on the, the general scale of halflings, but into his adulthood at 40 years old. Uh, he's got an AKA. He goes by the vulture on the streets because he does have a, uh, a criminal background. So he's got kind of the alias. Uh, and that's kind of what he, he leaves his mark as the vulture. Okay. And uh, uh, Devin, what are you playing? So I'm playing uh, Templeton. Um, he originally had a last name and I nixed it. I think I like it better that he doesn't. He's just Templeton. Um, he is a half orc barbarian. Um, he's six foot four, 300 pounds. Uh, he's in his early 20s. I don't think he could properly relay what his actual age is. Uh, I'm sure he was probably told it at some point, but. He doesn't have the best memory, uh, so he doesn't really remember. But he's in his early 20s. He's very young and inexperienced. Okay. So we'll head back up top. What's a what's a physical appearance for the Vulture? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to make, since he's a criminal, I was thinking, like, what makes a good criminal? And that's somebody that kind of just blends in. So he has kind of an everyman face. Uh, it's it's kind of tough to pick him out of the crowd. And uh, before I go any further, I do want to compliment uh, our Stonefly on the artwork here. Uh, when she showed me Valerian's picture, I was just like blown away. Uh, the, the menacing that she, uh, the menacing look that she was able to get in there. But anyways, I had to give uh, props there. But uh, no distinguishing marks or blemishes. Like the one thing he would have is a little earring, one little hoop earring. Uh, that's the only kind of embellishment. Uh, he does have a, a, a good jawline, protruding cheekbones. Uh, his hair is a little dirty blonde, uh, some hazel eyes. He can, there's just the idea is that he's easily lost in a crowd. I mean, one, he's a halfling, so he's not very tall, but he looks like all of the other halflings. Uh, he just blends in everywhere he goes. Uh, everything is kind of average about his looks. Do, do you want me to go into like what he wears? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, yeah, so he's he's got this uh, like tan black leather kind of, ar uh, not armor, but just kind of a upper chest piece. Uh, it kind of flares down to cover up his thighs. Uh, it's stitched together with fine white thread that kind of uh, uh, borders it all the way around. And then he wears a big black kind of scarf that could that doubles as a hood and a, and a kind of a face mask if uh, you know he's kind of making a getaway. He wears he's got big black bracers that he wears uh, leather black bracers on his uh, wrists, and in the middle of each one of those are a white uh, milky white diamond uh think like obsidian but white um and they're they're kind of marquee shaped uh in in those bracers there that he wears on his arms nice usually found within the uh 
the hood of his of his scarf is his pet weasel uh, raffle. Uh, he kind of he hangs out in there mostly if he's not like out playing around and stuff like that. But yeah, so that's that's kind of Valerian's appearance. Love it. Uh, what about Templeton? Um, so w- with Templeton, I, I I wanted to I wanted to capture a couple things. Uh, number one, he's just a hulking mass, not all muscle. He's bulky, muscular, but also kind of fat. Uh, I liked the idea of like. He has kind of an innocent appearance to him, but there's some serious danger to him uh, underneath all of that. He's clean-shaven. He kind of has a vapid, clueless expression, um, which our uh, our Stonefly has captured beautifully. And, and from looking at him, you get the sense that he's not that intelligent. Um, he's gentle. He has expressive, icy blue eyes with um, very thin eyebrows. He has a full mouth of human teeth. He never actually got any tusks from the orc side of his family. He's got a bulbous nose. He has a small wisp of white hair just on the top of his head, kind of like a troll doll. Uh, His skin's faded green. He enjoys painting his fingernails. Um, So his fingernails are currently like rainbow colored. Um, (laughs) He wears a white button down shirt with a black vest, black slacks and black leather boots. Um, and his socks are rainbow colored. Um, all of these clothes were given to him by by Valerian, uh, which we'll get into that in in a minute. Um, but uh, he, uh, Valerian, I, I did he dress me to like so that we kind of match? Like, cause I don't know if we did that on purpose or if that was just kind of coincidence. <laughs> it was coincidental. Like when we were bringing our two characters together, that was totally like. I remember when I told you I had black leather with white stitching. You're like, oh, sweet. I have white and black. So it's kind of accidental on that side. But I think it's it's a great idea to kind of add to it that Valerian, in their travels together, have slowly pieced together this, uh, this makeshift outfit for yourself. They're not yeah. necessarily – they don't go together. But through time, they've kind of uh, got rid of the old and then grabbed something new. So it does match. And then uh, – that Templeton flare with the socks, uh, a rainbow color. That was definitely maybe a weak point in Valerian where he, he saw that and purchased it for you. And well, I, and I think it's also kind of cool that, like, if you have bought me all these clothes, maybe, like, the socks are the one thing I fucking insisted on. Like, okay. And, right. you know, yeah. and, 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 like, you know, you're, you're putting together, like, this image, right, of, like, this big, giant, hulking freak standing behind this halfling. <laughs> And, and, but like the one thing I was not going to relent on was the rainbow colored socks. Yeah. So, um, it's easier so, battle to give up, like choose your battles kind of thing. Yeah. Does Valyrian pick Templeton as a partner? Because one, he's so hulking, two, he could be a protector, and three, he's going to draw more attention. Yeah. So the way. If we're ready to jump into kind of Let's, that part of the backstory, we, can we, should we should we go through our backstory first? I think we, we should because yeah, that apart? yeah, I like that. Okay. Right. I like that. So, do you want to go first, or you want me to go? Um, I I think it makes sense if you start okay. and then maybe stop where right. I come in. Okay. So Valerian is not a good man. He is he is kind of uh, left to center on on the scale of good and evil. He is uh, he's a criminal. Uh, that's what he did. Uh, he has faults. He's he's unskilled. Like. He's a decent cat burglar, but relatively unskilled. Uh, he doesn't really have a trade or anything other than, you know, stealing other people's hard-earned things. Uh, he doesn't really produce anything. He just takes uh, petty crimes, 
And he would make a, a decent living by stealing people's trinkets and then selling them on the streets. His thing was he would steal during the daytime. Uh, he figured most people are gone at their day jobs. He'd go out, steal, uh, being that every man he can kind of blend in. And that's that's the way he kind of made his money. So he goes on this midnight job. It's a, somebody who's going to be out and and he can get a, he can get a decent score in the middle of the night, but he has to do it in the middle of the night. So he goes in and he does that. And his wife, he leaves his wife at home. She's pregnant with child. Goes makes this job is not gone very long and he comes back and um uh, he finds that his house the door is open and he comes back in and he sees uh raffle uh sitting in the middle of their cold empty bed uh kind of freaking out a little bit he's starting to put two and two together he's he's uh he sees well the door is open he starts tracking footsteps and he follows what he thinks are his, his wife's footsteps out to the middle of this opening in a forest and there it's it's kind of uh he sees this just this single solitary moonbeam coming down hitting this uh boulder and he he sees what he thinks is his wife uh out on top of it and he, he makes his way over there and he sees that she it is in fact his wife and she is she is dead uh all the life was drained from her uh not really murdered by like thieves or ruffians or anything but rather everything about her was kind of drained and just taken from her. Like just the life force had been uh, kind of removed from her. And she was just really like a shell of a, of a woman at that point. And it was at the, f the feet of, uh, of her that he prayed for the first time, not really knowing who to pray to or, or how to pray, but he prayed for the first time and um, to try to bring her back and, or, or at the very least be reunited with her. Uh, There's nothing in response. And v Valerian ended up sleeping at the feet of his wife Kala uh, there outside in the rock. Uh, he shivered all night, not because of the cold, but rather uh, the thoughts of what could have been like this mistake he made. And then that night, as Valerian drifted asleep, unbeknownst to him, Belial, I hope I'm saying that right, Belial, B-E-L-I-A-L, visited him, uh, and this will be his warlock patron, um, seeking to be the answer to his quote prayer. Belial, so Belial burned in his wrists the, the same Marquise diamond shape that he wears on his bracer, burned into his wrist this, uh, this mark, and now he wears the bracers to cover that up. That's all that the patron did that first night, was just came down and, and kind of touched him and, and gave him those burns and those marks, and he wears those to cover them. Uh, Belial will obviously come back. But feeling lost without his wife, he, he went back to what he knows like his life is kind of ruined so he's going to go and do what he knows and this he heard rumors of this well-to-do butcher in town and he began casing his home and uh he would he would come by daily at different times in the day trying to figure out his routine uh just to kind of see when the best time to to hit him up would be and no matter when he came to this house valerian saw this gigantic half orc sitting kind of on the street corner uh just sitting there doing doing whatever uh Devin will describe valerian would engage with him in brief nods and some eye contact one day uh valerian tossed this half orc this huge half orc a piece of candy just as he's walking by a little butterscotch candy and just moved about his day the next day he came this orc asked for a piece of candy that was the first time that valerian heard him speak Something wasn't quite right with him. Uh, he was a little slow. Not all, not all there. Uh, something wasn't matching. I gave, I gave a Valerian gave him another one and asked him to forget that I was ever here because the next night was the night I was going to make that hit. And I think that's where uh, I'll pause and and hand it over to Devin. 
Yeah, so uh, Templeton uh, was the product of uh, a night, I don't know, shared between a, a cruel orc warrior and a local human girl that he had pillaged after raiding a village. Uh, she escaped in the middle of the night while he was asleep, and nine months later she gave birth to Templeton. He's a great, just green mass with a kind face. Life was anything but easy for Templeton. Uh, the people in the village shunned him because of the implications of his birth. You know, he's he's the child of the orc that overran the village, or one of the orcs that overran the village. And there's the whole issue with him not being that bright. The neighbors kind of referred to him as like touched in the head, and you know, the other kids would call him names, and they nobody would have anything to do with him. He was a monster. Um, and his mother, Marie, worked uh, as a clothes washer, just barely making enough to feed the two of them. When he was 19, having no idea what to do with, uh, you know, he's just living there with her, uh, she became ill. And she told Templeton uh, to go to Waterdeep and find some work on the docks. And Templeton's very obedient. Um, he did as he was told. He took a job on the docks. It lasted half a day because a co-worker uh, mocked him and uh, hit him with a bottle. And uh, he flew into a rage and broke the man's arm and was fired. So jobless and homeless and not knowing what else to do, his mother told him to come to town and make money. He just kind of sat on the side of the road and contemplated. He didn't want to disappoint his mom by returning home with nothing. Uh, so he just sat there. And occasionally somebody would throw him a copper in his way. And not knowing what else to do, he just kind of sat there and collected them. And then one day he had enough. Three months later, someone brought him a note. Or he collected all the money he could from the alms and sent it to his mother. Uh, about three months later, um, he uh, a little boy came to him with a note that said his mother had passed. The only kind person he'd ever known was, was gone. They, you know, The only person who'd ever been even halfway polite to him was was gone. Uh, he cried himself to sleep, and the next morning, still just not knowing what to do, he just continued to sit. And the clothes started uh, tattering and becoming worn just from him sitting in the mud. Uh, but eventually, from people giving him moms, he saved up enough copper, and he bought some paper and some paints, and he began to draw very simple finger paintings uh, to passers-by, pictures of flowers, uh, stick figures of people with smiley faces and sons with smiley faces. He didn't sell that many. One day, a halfling approached him, and uh, the halfling asked him, uh, did you draw this? What, it's like a flower? And Ian Templeton said, yep. He said, tell you what, I'm a little short on funds at the moment, but I do have some candy. How's about you give me the picture, and I give you a piece of candy? And Templeton asked him what kind, and uh, the halfling responded, replied butterscotch i think and templeton said deal and the exchange was made as time went on the two of them became started talking as te as val would walk around this part of town templeton was always there selling his finger paintings and uh they began to talk he learned his name was val uh and valerian was the first person who had said more than three words to him in two years and then one night templeton's laying in that same spot he sleeps in the same spot where he sits kind of all day he heard a commotion across the street, and I'll turn it back over to Val. Yeah, so that commotion is me going on this, uh, uh, raiding this this butcher's uh, shop. The The rear entrance of this butcher's shop slammed open, and two city constables were wrestling me out of the door. And the, uh, the constables say, caught the vulture red-handed this time, you'll lose your hands for this. 
And Valerian's responding, I didn't do nothing. Uh, I was hired to do some uh, night work. I was framed. And and there's some fear in his voice. And as the guards wrestled Valerian down the street, this is where Templeton comes in. This hulking shadow picked up the pace behind us. And one of the guards got the feeling of being followed and turned around just as uh, Templeton brought. And these are, these are Devin's words. These are great words. Templeton brought his cannonball-sized fist down on the head, killing him instantly. The other guard tried to draw his sword as... Valyrian stumbled to the ground, watching the massive terror slap the other guards, snap the other guard's neck. Templeton stood there breathing heavily, snapped the manacle chain on Val's wrists. Why did I, why did you do this? asked Val suspiciously. Templeton responds, You're my friend, and they was hurting you. You have any more of that candy? And since then, two years later now, we, we have kind of been uh, tied at the hip in a sense. Uh, we're, we're friends. I, Val would, would definitely use like air quotes or like a friends question mark at the end of that. He doesn't really know where he sits, but Templeton oh, we're, is def- we're best, definitely. We're, we're, best, we're best friends. <laughs> yeah, he, he portrays that to Templeton for sure. But Val doesn't really know like what void Templeton is fi- filling yet. And I think building this character, that's something that I really want to kind of search out and, and figure out how Templeton is is sitting in his life and uh, you know he works. He works for Candy, and he he likes to play with Raffle. You know he's he's got these huge fists that when Val's mouth gets him into some trouble, Templeton is usually there to to back him up. So I think that's a, a nutshell of of our background, which will make any any further information that we give out uh, have it make a little more sense. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So you guys did say this was in Waterdeep, correct? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We can skip that one. Um, obviously, you're just in water deep, and you're kind of just hanging there. Um, well, so, I mean, so it, might, so it might be a good question to say, what are we still doing in water deep? Yeah, would you agree, Chris? Yeah. So a while ago, Bob, you gave us some families of water deep, and and we kind of wrote in that now that Valerian's got Templeton, we kind of took up work for the the Rosnar family, and we we helped them trade gems. So now we're kind of uh, the liaison in between. The Rosnars and whoever they're selling the gems to, so that's that's kind of what we're still doing in Waterdeep. With that, Valyrian has got away from the the easy cat burgling and and more into just being this this runner of gems for the Rosnars. And what's Templeton still doing in Waterdeep? Just hanging with Valyrian? Uh Templeton is doing whatever Valyrian tells him to do. Whatever. Um, whatever so goes. So kind of pulling back the curtain about this. Uh, I when I approached Chris, uh, I and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Now those are kind of background stories. Um, so uh, Templeton is doing whatever Valerian wants him to do. Uh, Templeton has latched onto him as a ki- a person who was kind to him when nobody else was, uh, and Templeton is a very true and honorable kind of person. Uh, he he's willing to do whatever Templeton needs done. Um, his morals are very much around, this is the person who is nice to me, this is the person who I do things for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that, so I guess, you know, talking about, like, out of character here, that's what's going to be a challenge to me as a player. And and I'll save that. You're going to get to that. So I'll save that. Pin that. We'll get back to it. Okay. Um, So we'll we'll start with Templeton first this time. What traits really define... Templeton. Uh, he's very simple. 
Um, he is not intelligent. One, one, dim- no. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't think so. I don't want this to be like, oh, there's some hidden intelligence there. Nobody's just ever gave him a chance. He's not smart. Okay, he okay. had probably some learning deficiencies, but he's he's loyal to a fault. I would say, you know, okay. one person is Obviously. two people have been. <laughs> Two people have been nice to him his whole life, his mother and, and Valerian. Um, and whatever Valerian's motives are, Templeton is, one, not insightful enough to recognize if there is ulterior motives. And two, I don't even know if he would really care. Templeton is very happy to have somebody who is sometimes kind to him and and talks to him. Uh, so he's loyal. Um, he's very kind. I, I think outside of whatever goes on with Val, I think he's just a sweetheart. Um, he loves animals, and I think that's kind of his breaking point with Val. If Val ever told him to hurt an animal, I think that would be a hard no. He's not going to do that. Um, he loves animals. He's very childish uh, in his demeanor. I think he just wants everybody to get along and and be friends. Love it. And so what, what traits really define Val? So Val, a couple things is... The best way to get him to uh, kind of under his skin is tell him he can't do something like the the Marty McFly. Will you call me a chicken? You know he's <laughs> he's gonna kind of like he's gonna puff up a little bit, so that's gonna get him into some trouble. He's he's both arrogant and cowardly, especially now that uh, uh, Templeton's with him. He'll he'll talk some mad shit, but then uh, using his halfling nimbleness, he's gonna hide behind and underneath Templeton. And, and you know, take a look at these fists, guys. You know, you don't you don't want to touch me. Uh, so so both arrogant and cowardly at the same time. Um, and he he will he will put Templeton in harm's way before before himself. Like when yeah. it when it comes to fisticuffs, he's he's definitely gonna back off big time and then and push uh, Templeton out there uh, to the front of the stage. Um, yeah. We should we should also say that you have allowed me to um, use my fists as weapons. And we are playing it like a warhammer. So one d six one handed, one d is that right? Oh, uh, warhammer. Let me see. One d one d eight one handed, one d ten two handed. So uh, my fists, my giant cannonball sized fists, gonna be are, awesome. my, are my weapon. Yeah, could be great. So yeah, arrogant and cowardly. If that's uh... okay, love it. Um, so what are we kind of touched on some of these, um, any ones that we just maybe not didn't. What are some of your flaws? Uh, we'll start with Valerian this time. Uh, yeah, so it's that that arrogance, and this is this is where the challenge for me as a as a role player is gonna uh, kind of the rubber meet in the road is can I pull this off? And that's a huge fear of mine that I have is I have to play an arrogant character. Binks was not, and it was easy for me to to be to play Binks because. I, I just kind of sit back. I act timid. That's that's easy, right? Nothing's really bad is going to come from you if you just act timid. But being arrogant and being at the front of the center of attention in these um, these uh, social interactions that's that's his flaw. That's what's and that's going to be where I have to shine as a role player. I'm going to try. But yeah, him just being arrogant and and just kind of sticking his foot in his mouth a little bit. <laughs> Okay, uh, Templeton. I mean, obviously loyalty to a fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about bl- that. Blind, blind loyalty. The blindest of loyalties. Um, at, kind of the same way that, like, so 
Val's big challenge or Chris's big challenge in playing Val is playing a, an arrogant character and a character who kind of falls maybe in the middle of the moral spectrum. For me, it is playing a character who doesn't have his own free will. That was kind of what I was shooting for. And so the challenge for me is going to be to sit back and let everybody else kind of push the game and move it forward. Whereas I'm going to be, I'm going to be supportive. I want to build Val's character and I want to make Val's character shine. And I I want to make the other characters shine as well by being a supportive support kind of character. Definitely loyalty to a fault. Yeah. I was going to say playing with you enough, Devin, I know both you and I sitting in the back, not taking lead is, is tough. And every game we've played, we've had to do it. And, and I will say that's what I've appreciated about Devin as as playing with him is that he's able to take that lead and and kind of uh, okay. So this is how you do it, you know, teaching me how to play essentially. And and I appreciate him now, kind of taking that back seat and letting some other uh, characters uh, and players kind of not not that you it would be an issue, but that you're you're choosing to play a character that is that way so uh, some other of us are are going to to have to step up and i and i think that's a challenge that we're we're ready to accept yeah and and i don't think that's a bad thing at all i think it gives you know kylie which unfortunately she's not here tonight and travis both the availability to expand them front and center um you know with with tomb of annihilation they were both kind of ancillary characters is a good way to put it uh, to an extent because they didn't start with the original crew so they yeah. maybe didn't feel as as tight niche as everybody else but hopefully that yeah. that's that's good to go uh, we, you, again you guys kind of you kind of hit on this already we bled into it yeah, yeah what what really sparked the idea for part the- of it was uh xanathar's guide came out and so this is like way back like we were in tomb and i halfway through tomb i thought of this character he was actually, well, no, even before that, th- he was going to be my second character if Binks died. Because I was thinking Binks was going to die early. I'll get Binks out of the way, then I'll play this character that I really want to play. And it was with Xanathar's Guide, and they had the Celestial Pact Warlock. And that's a, a warlock that is healer-based. Um, so that that kind of planted the seed, and then figuring out from then, from there. Kylie's character ended up being uh, a healer, so I, I kind of swapped and went to uh, Fiend, Pact of the Fiend. Uh, warlock instead so which is totally cool same background story same everything but instead of being a healer now i'm just a trying to be a damage dealer so that that kind of started it was xanathar's guy just having that oh this warlock sounds cool warlocks are kind of under underplayed and uh i think i I'll, I'll do that you know uh so that was it that was like the number one point you just filled in pieces as, as yeah, and then information kinda, came and yeah, and that's usually how I build a character. I'll <laughs> I'll find a, a class and subclass that I want to play, and then think of a race, and then build out from there. Uh, very rarely do I start with uh, a background story. I, I don't I don't know why, but that's just the way it goes. But okay. yeah, so that's how I started. Uh, Templeton. So I had this idea of of tying my character as completely as possible to somebody else's character. As I I said just a minute ago, I've always had characters that were very commanding presences. They always had very commanding presence. And so I feel that that not by choice, but I I make characters that are very much in kind of the center of the group. And I I wanted to try something different this time. Um, I, I liked the idea of my character 
completely being there as almost like a fleshing out of somebody else's character. You know, I wanted to be an extension of somebody else's character. So, and Chris had been saying in Waterdeep, like, you know, my backup character is Warlock. So I was hoping maybe he was going for something kind of dark. And so I, I messaged him and I'm like, hey, you ever thought about doing like a, a shared backstory with our characters? And he's like, what did you have in mind? And we start talking about it and we start figuring out that like, like what he's doing with this like criminal background fits perfectly with what I <laughs> wanted to do, which was I, so I get a lot of my ideas from pop culture. So um, J- John Steinbeck, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the book. Um, help me Mice and Men. Of Mice and Men. George from Mice and Men, right? He, he's this big bumbling idiot or even like the, the, the Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> the the big ab- abomination yeah, that, yeah. you know, I'm going to love him and hug him. I'm going to call yeah. him George, um, which was, again, a play on uh, Mice and Men. Uh, I, I liked the idea of this simpleton who gets in with the wrong, not the wrong kind of person, but the, the person who's going to use his loyalty as like as against him and take advantage of that. And so as we started talking, it was like, oh, you're a criminal. That's awesome. I had this idea of playing the muscle for a criminal, the dumb muscle that's standing behind the the wisecracking, you know, smooth talking criminal, you know, that is just there to pound stuff into grease spots when it needs to be done. And uh, so as we started talking and exploring this idea, it was like, oh, this is like, this is perfect. This is everything that I was hoping this would be. Um, where I could take my character and just basically attach it to somebody else's and be like, I want your character to be, to shine. You know, I want to be there to make your character deeper and more complex and more compelling, more interesting. And then I want to branch out and do that to the rest of the group. I want to give them something that they can play off of and, and without ever really, Taking the spotlight too much, yeah. I guess, or, or or being a commanding presence. I want to be in the background painting my nails when it's not my turn to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want to wait for Val to ask me to say stuff. You know, I I, I want for, to wait for Val to tell me to do something, and and when he tells me to do something, I want to do it with the best gusto and, and excitement that I can. Yeah, and so that that was kind of my. That was kind of how this all kind of started. Okay, I love it. Um, I'm, I'm gonna call it right now. I'm going out on a limb and saying, like, Devin, you're gonna have the, you're gonna have the emotional moments to start us off. I think. I'm just. I'm, I, that's where I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, it could. Ha- it could happen. Oh, Travis just posted in our in our private chat. Mimsy from South Park. Um, uh, he's not wrong. Um, but no, I I, 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 I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be playing in more of the heartfelt side of things um, because he is very childlike and he wants everyone to be friends. I I think that's going to, I think that's probably, I will be playing in that realm more than I will be in the, the badass realm or the, I don't know. Yeah. The dramatic (laughs) realm. Right. Um, Okay. So next question, what, what pitfalls do you want to really avoid with oh. these characters? And th- I think this is going to be tough for both of you. There, there, are, there are many. Um, but we'll, we'll start. We'll start with you first, uh, Devin. 
Okay, so number one, if you've ever seen Tropic Thunder and when uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.'s character says you never go full retard, um, and I, I apologize, I'm just quoting the movie. Uh, quoting the movie. I'm quoting the movie. I do not want this character to be a joke. Right. 100%. This character is not there to be the stupid thing that everybody makes fun of. And if that happens, I'm killing him off. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying that. Like, I, I his his simplicity is a facet of his character. It is not who he is. He is not a caricature. And so that's a pitfall for me. And I think maybe even for the group too, mm -hmm. because you know he's gonna do some things that are kind of funny sometimes and that's fine. But what I don't want him to do is become like the butt of jokes or, or, or have his simpleness be the thing that defines him. You know, I, I really want to push myself as a role player I want to play a character that is multifaceted, that has a lot of flaws, that that isn't easy, you know. And and so for me, that's a tightrope to walk um, of of not letting his simpleness be one a crutch for me. It's not, I'm not going to be playing this up for laughs just because he's simple, you know, or, or not that bright. Right. Um, and it's going to be hard for me to it's also gonna be hard for me to take the back seat uh, i don't I, i've said it before i don't do it on purpose i just you know i i just do it you know i'm just playing my characters as i would in if i was talking to my friends right um in my own life i do this a lot with my friends group i'm kind of the the guy at the front you know leading leading the pack kind of thing and so for me to force myself into a position where i'm taking a back seat is going to be a challenge challenge for me well, okay. and, and I think to kind of help you out in that, what I'm thinking in my headspace with Valerian is like, he might put you, throw you under the bus, make you the butt of jokes, but deep down, like, and this is where the, the whole story arc is going to, is going to hit, I think, is like he cares about Templeton. Otherwise he wouldn't keep him around. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be an asset to him if there wasn't some deep down connection. So that's going to keep it from being that, uh, the, the butt of the joke and being, yeah. being uh, you know, like you said, going full retard. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. uh, Pitfall with with Valerian, I think, is is becoming. I don't want him to be the game breaking asshole or the party breaking asshole. Like we've talked about that before. Like, how evil can you play uh, before your party just says, "Hey, screw you. We wouldn't be. We wouldn't associate with you." All right. So I gotta I gotta find where that threshold is and and learn how to dance in and out of that and, and and make it interesting and fun and that's really going to challenge me as a player and i'm looking forward to it i want to take that step as a player otherwise i wouldn't make uh this kind of uh challenging character but i think that's going to be that's going to be tough for me and it but knowing knowing the group knowing the people i play with is going to help uh, knowing that we've gone through a campaign together, like I'm okay with with going out on a limb with you guys. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I think I'm 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 ready for the challenge. But yeah, being too much of an a hole, or on the other side of that, is not playing up to that uh, asshole in this character. Like me, just me as Chris being too timid and not stepping up and playing that character. So that yeah, I think it's kind of awesome that like I I think this is going to play out where like you're my backbone and I'm your conscience kind of thing, <laughs> you know, like if we All kind right. of have shared emotions, I, I think we're going to see, I think we could see that happen. 
you know, yeah. at, at some point, you know, where it's like you want to do something wrong and I'm going to talk you out of it. Or somebody yeah. does something not nice to me and I stand up to them or something, you know, yeah. something like that. But um, you guys kind of answered the last yeah, one, too. I mean, you guys did a good job. It's, it's much, uh, you know, much appreciated on my end. So are there any questions that you guys have for me that won't be covered in the water deep portion? Um, I, I have one. This may not be covered. It may. I, if it is, then we can hold off. But uh, because my background is a criminal, I get like a criminal contact. So I'd like to know, like, working for the Rosnar family, can my criminal contact be within that family? And that's who I get some of my underground information. That's how I get the scuttlebutt on the streets, you know? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that's my biggest question is that. Yeah, I think that would fit mechanically into the game because, and we'll talk about the families here in a little bit. Okay. Um, each family kind of has their own, you know, good and bad, if you will. Um, but it would make sense that if you've worked for them long enough that you have kind of an agent that will assist you in what you need, Devin. Uh, um, not nothing, nothing for me. I, I I think I'm good. It would be nice if you could tell me. I, I I was looking at the map and I was trying to figure out a small city where Templeton could maybe be from. Um. Okay. Let me ask you this: Does the game take place completely in Waterdeep? One hundred percent. Okay. Then never mind. Don't need to know. Small village outside Waterdeep. Yeah. Sounds so. good. All right. So there are two questions uh, for you guys. Yeah. Would you label yourselves as bandits? And this comes from Demon Lord Nem. Uh, I think bandits? No. I think thief? Yes. At least early. What about Templeton? Like I, would, would, would Templeton label I, I, himself? I, I think the correct term at this point is fencer. You know, I think we're into acquiring stolen goods from other yeah. thieves and selling them to the Rosnars so right. that they can... Because it, it showed, I know we'll talk about it in a minute, but the Rosnars, they deal in gems. That's that's what they kind of deal in, in jewelry. And so I, I think we're fencers. I think we don't do the act of thieving any longer. We are, we take in what other people have stolen. Okay. And, and yeah. then give that to the Rosnars. Um, but I think, now I'll say this too, Templeton, I don't think he's a thief at all. That's what I was going to ask I don't, you. I don't think he's ever stolen a thing in his life. I, he is. He is. The, he's the ever looming shadow behind Val. <laughs> Val has Val has stolen stuff. Oh yeah. Templeton has watched him steal stuff. Templeton has made sure that he gets out of sticky situations. Templeton has never stolen a thing in his life. Okay, I like it. And I think you know, Bandit to me um, insinuates there's some some muscle in there or the act of hurting somebody physically where like yeah. fencer or thief uh val's not interested in like hurting anybody physically uh monetarily yeah of course he'll he'll take what he needs uh that's so that's like stealing a loaf of bread to feed your family kind of thing uh but but as far as like hurting people just to hurt people no i don't think so Mm -mm. Okay. Um, next question comes from AK Random Ricker. So, as locals, uh, you guys have any other friends you've left by the wayside, and do you guys have a favorite bar or tavern? Mm, yeah. So we actually talked about that. Like we kind of hang out in the Yawning Portal. Um, we are not really like big shots there, but we do kind of hang out. That's where the heavy hitters are going to be. That's where the uh, information. Uh, it's going to be passed around. So we have talked about that. Like, 
that's kind of where we head out, uh, hang out, uh, excuse me. And um, I, I know at one point, and I don't know if we, so if this is not canon, because we have shared canon and I can't remember, um, I know at one point we kind of talked about that maybe our characters are like well known um, in this portion of Waterdeep as like, like if you've ever seen The Godfather Part Two, when um, when uh, the original Godfather, so like when they do the flashback to Vito's, you know, as a young guy, when he's like walking down the streets and they're just grabbing fruit off of people's stands and everyone's like, oh, hey, good to see you, Godfather. Like we kind of talked about like, it'd be cool if like our characters maybe had a little bit of notoriety as working okay. for the, the Rosnars and, and like, not that we're like, you know, kings of Waterdeep or anything like that, but like yeah. in our little section of the Yawning Portal where we hang out, we we're known as like these are the guys who who work for the Rosnars. So you know, like maybe they watch the out for the locals. Kind of maybe thing. the good question is is the Yawning Portal the place for that to happen? As like a level one character, I imagine yeah. you know we're pretty low on the totem pole. So maybe there's another bar. Yeah, that's where that I we can we can be up higher up in status where that stuff can happen. Uh, and I'm totally cool with like that being the bar. It doesn't have to be the Yawning Portal, right? It's cool. Yeah, but, I would, but a I place would, where we can come in and, and get what we want. I would ask that it is a different place because y okay. Yawning Portal, you know, y'all are level one characters. So you guys, you know, it, it yeah. mechanically fits that, you know, you're not that big of a deal because I have know, nine hit points. You start, you start <laughs> scrapping with somebody, you're going to, you're going to die. So maybe if we choose a bar outside of Waterdeep, okay. there's there's a billion, and you can just pick right. whichever. It doesn't matter. Um, I think that'd fit better. Okay. Anybody? Uh, but as, I mean, the second half of that question was, do we have anybody we left behind? Uh, Val was pretty close to his wife, uh, so the Rosnar would be the, the criminal contact there, and the Rosnar family <sighs> would be the only person other than Templeton, really. Uh, he, he's got some tertiary family that is out not in Waterdeep, um, which I haven't written a backstory for, but there are people there, but they're not in Waterdeep. So. Yeah, and I mean, Templeton had two people in his life, and the only one that's still living is Val. So um, there's not any locals. I think, so maybe to kind of scale in the sense of like, we're good for the community, maybe there's like just a family or two that like we try and help support a little bit, you know, maybe at like okay. Templeton's insistence or something like that. Maybe that's a better scope for a level one character. You know, there's like a a widowed woman and a child that we, you know, make sure has bread or something like that. Perfect. Um, but so, yeah, that would probably be the only thing I could think of is if there was like a local small family that Templeton had, maybe it reminds him of his mom and himself had taken an interest and in, he's insisting on making sure that they have food to eat. So, Brewhammer, um, you, you two are the only two in the group that know each other. Uh, we'll get to the, kind of that yeah. in, in a second. I do find this comment interesting from Brewhammer. Uh, interesting that you guys are going to be locals in Waterdeep. You know, I, I do feel like a lot of crews um, kind of are, are, you know, new Traveling to Waterdeep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. So do you guys have anything, any lasting impressions you want to give real quick before we bring Travis back in? I will touch on what AK Random Record said in the chat was uh, having ties to the community create awesome uh, moments of role play. And I think that's totally true. Like, that's kind of why I wanted to be involved in Waterdeep was just to have those points of contact where you can immediately riff off uh, NPC. 
because you have some sort of background story with them. And and having Templeton at the side, I think that's just going to make it even even better and easier transition into Waterdeep. And, I, I'd, I'd hate to be like a wide-eyed halfling coming into Waterdeep for the first time. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just we we were that in Cholt. I I don't want to be that in Waterdeep. Yeah. I want to be kind of you know uh, I I know the streets of Waterdeep. And to, piggy- to a certain extent. To piggyback off of that, like Waterdeep is the perfect setting to be a local who is lost as fuck. It yeah. is the New York City of Faerun, and it is it is the it's the largest city in in Faerun, isn't it? I believe so. I believe so. I'm doing a bunch of reading on the background of Waterdeep uh, in my spare time to prep for this, so that I understand Waterdeep. I want to be as close to being a true local as I can be at this point. And um, it's going, it will be super, like, I love the idea of this is all I know. That little town where my, I grew up and then Waterdeep. Waterdeep is my world, but it's huge. And there's so much to learn and know about this city that like, it, there's like this weird thing going on with like the macro and the micro of a world. If I'm, it's awesome to hear that we're going to be in Waterdeep the whole time. I was kind of hoping that was the case. Like, I want, I just, I like the idea of being buried into the city. The pockets of Waterdeep are going to be so fun to explore. I agree. And I I think this is an appropriate time to bring everybody back. 